Welcome to the official podcast of Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi. Brought to you by Crystal Bright Janitorial, The Brand Barbershop, Greco Printing and Imaging, and Able Ideas. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi on all your favorite social media apps. Now, on with the show! Hey, it's the Bradcast, and I'm here with Terry Farrell. Terry, how are you? I'm really good, thank you very much. <laughs> so you may know Terry from Star Trek and various variations. However, she has a vast IMDb listing. Um, I'm going to start from the back end that I didn't realize. Um, Hellraiser 3? Yes, Hellraiser 3. Yes, I was very proud of that. I um, I really loved the first one, mm -hmm. and I loved how well because I was a big horror fan growing up, and uh, I just thought it was disgusting and brilliant all at the same time. Yeah. And uh, so I was reading for uh, a movie uh, Tony Hickox was directing called Waxworks Two, and uh, I was right. Was it? To me, I I don't like. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had just bought a house and I needed to work on it. So at the time it was like, mm, you know what? I, I'm not, I, it's not enough money for me to do, but what's your next project? And he said, Hellraiser 3. And I'm like, oh my God, is there a part for me in it? He said, there might be. So I'll get back to you when we're done with. So a year later, he kept his word and I came in a red four. Uh, Joey Summerskill for, for Hellraiser 3 and obviously I got it and then a year after that when we were doing oh some last minute pickups and all of the uh, ADR because we had to record re-record like 90% of it really? yeah and I wasn't good at it then it really bummed me out because I was <laughs> I thought I was better in the original, and it's definitely an art to ADR. And, and doing Deep Space, we got really good at it because you do it every week for the show, right? But at that point, I didn't have all that practice, right? Uh, it was really, yeah, way different. Um, and it's, it's like a year after you've done the performance, right? So you're not in anyway. That, But then I got Deep Space Nine. And so it, there are, they added a scene with the bondage at the end. I was already doing Deep Space, so my hair was dark. So that's why my hair is dark in the very end. It's, yeah, it's sort of a weird little. Well, you know what? Not everybody picks up on it, but for me, it felt glaring when the movie came out. It was like, oh my gosh. Well, but there was such a... You, you transitioned so much from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie anyway, so yes. people probably didn't notice it that much. That's true. You were cognizant of it because it's you looking at you. Right. Right? Oh my gosh, I was blonde at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> so, at the beginning of your career, yep. you dealt with comedians. Yes, I did. How was it working with, was it uh, Rodney Dangerfield? It was great. I actually didn't have a scene with him. My scenes were um, with Billy Zapka and uh, um, Keith Gordon, of course, who starred in as Rodney's son, who's now a great director. And this guy who some people have heard of, this Robert Downey Jr. guy. 
No. Well, his father was, sure. But um, it was really fun. I mean, we're all exactly the same age, and uh, all of us took our GEDs. None of us finished high school because we were performers. So it was this fun camaraderie that we all had. And, uh, of course, Sally Kellerman was amazing to hang out with. Ah. Oh. And uh, Burt Young was also amazing to hang out with. They kind of, I don't know, it was just really fun. So you've done a lot of really interesting one-offs, but the one thing that I remember seeing you more, and, and it was very surprising for me because Ted Danson to me, I always think of as Cheers, but you worked with Ted Danson and Becker. What was it like? Because you were like the only sane person on that show, right? Everybody else is there in their own little world, and you were the one yeah. trying to keep the world straight. What was it like working on uh, Becker? It was actually, it was really a big challenge at first because to, I know it sounds kind of silly to say, but um, being a hero, playing Dax, and then playing a woman who can't even make a good cup of coffee, it's, it's, it's funny uh, in a sitcom for the pretty girl to not be as smart or to be, she was petty, she was jealous, she uh, she couldn't make coffee, but she owned a diner, right? So they were all these kind of like... That's okay. Uh, so that part was kind of hard, like the ADR example. Uh, well, it was very specific in uh, deep space. We were in the, but for half hour, they just would write out loud in front of everybody, okay, we're just gonna do a couple lines, okay, Terry? And I was like, I felt so on the spot and embarrassed. I'm like, I'm used to it being dark and nobody's watching me and I can make a mistake. And suddenly I felt super self-conscious. So there are certain things, uh, I would say almost like uh, set etiquette, one thing for hour and another thing for half hour, I just wasn't prepared uh, for some of the things that were different for me. And uh, well, Star Trek was never actually in front of an audience. Oh no! But of not. right, but Becker could have been on an inside set where there was people no, there all over the place. Not yeah, could right. No, no. What I'm but saying no. is, your your whole the whole vibe, the whole energy of the space is different. Because yes. one is cast only, and the other one is, oh God, who are all these people? Well, no, not, oh God, who are all these people? There are people in the audience when you shoot the show, but on the daily, on the daily, when you're, there are people that are there that you don't know. But it, for me, just let me say that for, for me, it was um, uh, a difficult adjustment because I felt suddenly self-conscious about a lot of stuff that I wasn't self-conscious in one dynamic I know the rules in this new dynamic I don't know the rules so I felt incredibly um, insecure yeah. well, it's, it took it, me a while and learning they, curve and then they let me go <laughs> right when you got it down yeah exactly that's kind of how it felt it felt like no what <laughs> right, but I'm just having fun yeah, exactly exactly so what have you been doing lately? How, uh, I mean, besides Comic-Cons. I quit my career to be an at-home mom. So that's been the last 19 years. Yeah. have been out of the spotlight for 19 years. Yeah. This all holds up so well. Thank you. And Thank you. you. I, I mean, we're of an age. We're of an age. And 
to me, okay, I'm going to go a little fanboy. You're as beautiful standing in front of me as oh you were in any of these things. Thank you. So, okay, He's so I've got a little. By the fanboy I've got a little, got a little gushy, little gushy. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? So, how do you like Comic Cons? It's a thing. It is a thing, and um, I think because of uh, COVID, Netflix, and now, of course, we're I think on Paramount Plus, but I think our show is easier for people to track when you can binge watch, right? Because it's a lot of information, a one hour of Deep Space Nine, and to not see it for a week, and then it, at, in the day when it was on, and then if you missed a couple of weeks, then you're kind of lost and like, wow, what's going on? So I think it's easier for people to track now. And I think our writers, you know, uh, Ron Moore and uh, Renee Echeverria and, um, oh, golly, now I'm embarrassed. His name went right out of my head. I have a sinus thing right now, you guys, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Ira Bear, showrunner, Ira Bear, uh, forgive me. Um, they wrote so well uh, character arcs and storylines and putting it out there, dealing with stuff that was super relevant. And it's crazy that it's still relevant today. So not, not unlike the original series, only a better set dressing, more the technology was more on top of it. Um, uh, it still stands. It still holds up, right? Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a, a slightly, well, no, we're on Deep Space Nine. I can ask you a Deep Space Nine question. Michael Dorn. Yeah. And you used a Batleth. Yeah. Tell me about using a Batleth. Okay. What was great about that for me is um, all fight scenes are, are like dancing, right? And I'm not a dancer by any kind of uh, training, but um, I was very athletic, and not particularly good, but athletic, good hand-eye coordination, um, but not uh, terribly graceful. <laughs> but so what's great is um, Dennis Madalone did a great job, he and his team, of, of really just walking the steps super clearly, and we would rehearse it until we got it, and we did it really fast. I mean, it's kind of amazing how quickly that time period between us rehearsing and shooting it but you do it in segments. So um, honestly, for me, if I could have been Laura Croft, yeah, yeah. female Indiana Jones, yeah. the um, I always thought it'd be cool to be in the Peace Corps, to be an archaeologist, and to be a, a like a National Geographic photographer. Yeah. So me, Terry, doing that stuff—that was me. For me, doing the bat lift, the adventure stuff—that feels like me. I left home at 17 in search of adventure. I took myself to Africa on safari for my 36th birthday. Yeah. Yeah, so that to me is, that's my passion is to see the world and meet people in it, right? Yeah. Very nice. So like, I don't know, like, do I get an agent or do I just start having, huh, what's it going to look like now? So when the kids are, when you're an empty nester again, what do you, am. you are. So. Oh, okay. So is that why you've, you're coming out and visiting us? Thank you very much for that, by the way. You're very welcome. Well, it's our 30th anniversary, so I, I think for me these things are making hay while the sun shines. If I get invited, 
I'm doing it. I just, uh, I got a new little house. It's tiny in New Mexico, and I'm an hour and a half drive from my parents. So TNC or, or farther north? TNC, Las Cruces, or? They're in Berlin. I'm in Santa Fe. Oh. Do you know what? I went to Santa Fe once, went up the mountain, my entire sinus cavity completely drained out of my face, and I was in bed for two days. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Oh, I went up the mountain. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah, they say it takes three months, and I, I, at first I thought that's kind of dramatic, but after being there... Yeah, up at 7-2. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Yeah. Terry, thank you so much for taking the time to talk my to me. Pleasure. Thank it's you mutual. For talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. you. We a lot of us are big fans. Um, I'm maybe the third biggest. There's two actually larger than me. <laughs> they make they make a lot of jokes. <laughs> this has been the. <laughs> hey, he made a fat joke. What do you know about that? <laughs> this has been the broadcast with Comic Experience Sci-Fi, and we'll see you next time. Hey, this is Nick. I am at the Grand Rapids Comic Con, standing next to a Japanese legend, Mr. Ben Faraya, who's most famous for portraying Ultraman himself on the classic Japanese science fiction series Ultraman. Thank you for talking to us, sir. I wanted to ask, tell us about how you got started in show business. When he was young, he was watching uh, U.S. movies and U.S. actors. And James Dean. James Dean, okay. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the great Japanese special effects master, Eji Tsuburaya, produced Ultraman, and he also did the special effects for the Godzilla films of the 60s and many others. How did you come to know Eji Tsuburaya? そこのトホの映画の撮影所の中で、え、一緒に仕事しました。そう、あ、どうやって知り合ったんですか知り合ったのは映画の向こうはつぶえじさんは監督、こっちは俳優。あ、he that's how he started. Okay, so I've read that you were chosen to play Ultraman because of your slender build. Is that true? That's true. <laughs> when you first saw Ultraman on television, how did it make you feel? I was moved. I was like shaking. It's so cool. <laughs> Did you imagine that you would still be talking about Ultraman 60 years later? Like, people forget Ultraman quickly, but actually, yeah. Okay. And, and so, what is Ultraman to the Japanese culture, pop culture? Japanese culture, pop culture. It's like a great art 
Tokusatsu, you know, Tokusatsu in Japan. It's like one of the greatest art in Japan. Okay. Mr. Fry, it's been my pleasure and thank you for talking to us. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, it's the Bradcast, and I am here at the Grand Rapids Comic Con with Ian James Corlett. Mr. Corlett, how are you? I'm great, except how am I in Kalamazoo when it's Grand Rapids? Or how am I in Grand Rapids when I'm in Kalamazoo? I don't understand. Do you want the answer? I actually interviewed the person who has all the answers. Okay, yes, tell me. Okay, so they used to be at a venue in Grand Rapids. That venue changed hands and all contracts were nulled and voided. And they could not get another size-wise venue in Grand Rapids until their fall show in November. Drama. Indeed. That's what I thought. It's like, they did what? I mean, if I'm going to buy if I'm going to buy a venue, I want all the contracts I can get, right? Why would I kick people out? They're obviously refurbishing the place. Who oh, knows? Okay, okay. So, young man, yes. you have quite a prolific career. I've heard. How did you get into voice work? Well, it started uh, very young, actually. I was, uh, I was really into puppetry, and I was a ventriloquist. And so I was always doing stuff, you know, that was sort of in the world of voice. And then as I got older, I started making films, and a lot of them were animated, so like they needed a voice. It was the early days of, of Super 8 with sound. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, I kind of progressed to doing commercials. So voiceover for commercials, because I was never really interested in being like an on-camera actor. Um, chiefly because I can't remember a line to save my life. Like, it's really hard for me. Anyway, so I'm, I'm missing that circuit. Maybe I could do it, but anyway, it was not, like, immediate. And, uh, and then I was, so this is up in Vancouver in Canada, and I was uh, doing lots of commercials, and then this animation work started coming into town, mid-'80s, early mid-'80s, and the rest is history. Well, I know some of your work firsthand, I'm uh, very excited about the uh, the Lego. How's it like being a Lego character? Oh, it's great. Ninjago is one of those series that, that just goes and goes and goes. And I'm really fortunate because the main characters for Ninjago, the ninjas, I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm like every, I've been in every season as either a villain or, or a hapless hero. Like the most recent season I did was, I was Clutch Powers. So I've been, I've been all sorts of things all over Ninjago, but never like, like a regular ninja. So, I, but Lego's great, love it. My wife is a youth librarian. She screens all of the graphic novels and all of the animated ah. videos through me to get my opinion. Okay. So, so I am okay. totally with you. It is, it is really a fun series. Uh, how do you do the professor and Goku? You don't do them at the on the same uh, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know the lines are all separate. You, you for for shows that are dubbed like Dragon Ball. Uh, when I was doing it, I'm, I'm, I haven't. I, I only did the first. I don't even know how many episodes I did. But I was the original voice of Goku. 
and uh, the original voice of Master Roshi. And you do them line by line. So I'm kind of pretty good about going back and forth from one voice to another. So I'll go from Master Roshi to, uh, yo, my name is Goku. It's just, yeah. I've always wanted to be a voice actor and just was always distracted and doing real life stuff for oh, yeah, so long. <laughs> All right, so we, we were checking. Now, I, I, forget those things. Okay. You have been doing this for so long. You have done people. You have done animals. Yes. You have done people on other planets. Yes. You have done little plastic figures. You have done... Video game characters. How does that work? Oh, well, that's, I mean, talk about working on your own. Video games are so, you know, they're computers, right? So you've got to do line, 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 every version of that same line because it, you know, it gets right. called by the, the, the computer program. Uh, video games have, have become quite important in my career. Um, the most recent one that I can tell you about. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff coming, but I'm under strict. Nope, I don't. I don't want you to have to tell me just and have to kill me. Just yeah. allude to it. Well, there's a bunch of stuff I've done for Blizzard that is oh, coming, my favorite. Yeah, coming out. But the most recent one that I can talk about is uh, oh, I don't have it here. It's um, it's for Destiny 2, and I was Finch, oh. the little goat hive ghost that that tells you, hey, psst, you might want to see this over here. I can't tell you what it is, but you know it's that. Kind oh, of oh, right. The 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 the, the hint bot. Yeah. yeah, the hint bot because it's always because you're going off the trail and it says. Coming this way. Yeah. I totally get that. That guy. Yeah. All right. So so that's what's next in the secret. What do you what are you doing that you want everybody to know about? Oh, uh, I I because all the kids are doing it, and no one else have, has thought of this. I'm doing a podcast. Nice. Who, who, what are you talking about? Uh, well, as it turns out, we're talking a lot about voiceover and cartoons and games and the business. And it's me and my good friend Trevor Duval, who is the voice of Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy in the series. Yeah, so we get together and we talk about all the things we know about, which is everything. And... <laughs> And we, uh, it's just a couple of old farts going, yeah, and then this thing. And we drop names of our celebrity encounters and we do all that sort of thing. So it's called the Reactors Podcast because we're actors and we react to each other, so, to life. R-E-A-C-T-O-R-S? Uh, yes, yes. It technically, I think it's laid out like R-E colon actors. But if you search Reactors and my name or Trevor's name on any of your favorite podcast platforms, that's okay. the newest, most interesting thing that I'm doing. Yeah. You can always, all, oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, you want to fight? Um, you can find me on Instagram, Ian James Corlett, Instagram. That's my main thing. I interviewed uh, Rob Paulson a few years ago. Good dude. And all he did was make me laugh through the whole thing. It was, it was, really, it was really wonderful because I absolutely love his work. And equally, you, you have done a lot of characters that I absolutely adore. But after, shortly after I talked to him, do you know he all of a sudden, he was doing the same thing. So you're, you're in good company. Yes. Yeah, because uh, no one else is doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, not us. I don't know what you mean. 
thank you so much for taking some time out of your Thanks day to so talk to for, us. Uh, for dropping by, and I, I'm loving it here in Kalamazoo, because I like saying Kalamazoo. <laughs> One last question. Yes. One last question. Yes. You obviously like coming to Comic-Cons. Is there, do you like just talking to, to your fans? Do you like having people come in and... It just seems to me that people go, oh my God, I can't believe you're here. And they come in and they, they want to talk to you. Is, is, is that what you like? Or you, you're just putting yourself out there because you want to give something back? Why do you come to Comic-Cons? It's all of that. It's all of that. I mean, I did theater in school. And that's the only time you get like an immediate response. Like, oh, I, I did something and someone liked it. And when you're doing animation... It's so many layers of detachment from the people who watch it and who consume it. And it's, you know, sometimes years before anyone ever gets to see it. So this is kind of like, I liken it to uh, if you're on stage and you finish your performance and you take your bow and it's wonderful and then you're done and you go out the stage door and then you get to talk to people. And that's what this is. They, you get to talk to people about what they liked, what they didn't like. And it's a, it's a real nice connection. And it, it always makes me smile when people come up to me of all ages, because I'm getting really old, uh, who say, you are my childhood. I get that all the time. And it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. I hope I helped somehow. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Very nice to meet you. Thank yeah. you. This has been the broadcast with Ian James Corlett, and we'll see you next time. This is Richie Rollins with Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi at the Grand Rapids Comic Con, and I'm standing here with John Dexter in... Yeah. Pretty good. How are you doing there, John? Good. We're doing pretty good. This is Mar Pub Lula Bellis, four weeks old. Uh, we just got her from Walmart parking lot, just like we did our other dog. So about 14 years ago, my wife was at um, Walmart parking lot and uh, got the run of the litter, this put bill mix that we all fell in love with. We had him for almost 14 years and he just passed three weeks ago, but he's the inspiration for my own comic series that I've doing uh, called Alpha Dogs. I've got issue one, two, and three here I'm selling, but it's about this dog that has the ability to heal from almost any wound. He's smart enough to understand human speech, and he's a slightly heightened intelligence. And him and his owner and this older grumpy pit bull are on the run for mercenaries trying to kidnap the dogs to manipulate their abilities. So we had grown up in this town um, uh, after we got our pit bull. They had outlawed pit bulls in our area, so we had the choice to move or get rid of the dog. So of course we moved. and. That was kind of an inspiration to create a story about this dog that uh, is feared by the public because of his breed and size, but he's got a heart of gold. And that was kind of the genesis of the series. And then, of course, this dog, of course, has powers, though. That's a little different, but um, it's kind of been a hit on Kickstarter. Um, I have issue four coming out next month on Kickstarter. A really cool series. Um, but this is kind of a cautionary tale about abandonment of your pets or dogs for this new person that comes into your life so um, it all kind of deals with that and um, but it's been a fun series well when did you get in 
What got you into writing comic books? Oh, well, I've been a fan of comics ever since X-Men. Like most kids that grew up and teens that grew up in the 90s uh, got exposed to the X-Men cartoon, and that was kind of the genesis of falling in love with comics and wanting to create mine. Um, for a long time, it took me about six years to come up with the funds to do issue one of Alpha Dogs, but it was funded on Kickstarter, and I was able to use those funds to continue creating the series. And you also have another one called uh, Dime Store, Dime Store yeah, Detective. Uh, after my love of noir and uh, supernatural stories, so it's kind of like Stephen King's It meets True Detective, where this de detective in the modern day comes upon this crime scene, the third victim of this lady, um, and she's left over the burial grounds of the, the father's uh, father, uh, the detective's father and uncle buried multiple bodies 40 years ago. And there's this evil entity that comes into play that kind of it centers around in the background as the series kind of um, develops over eight issues. We find out the connection between 1980 and with these moonshiners that got into this uh, uh, kind of rivalry over territory and this detective that's investigating the serial killer. And... Um do you have any future projects you're working on or something coming down the pipeline? Yeah, well, like I said, so issue two of Dime Store Detective was fully funded on Kickstarter, printed. I just got to pick up the issues uh, at the comic store at Wellspring here in Livonia. And issue four of Dime Store Detective, I'm sorry, issue four of Alpha Dogs launches next month on Kickstarter. And do you, puppy? <laughs> Lulu Bell. Lulu Bell. Do you have any uh, upcoming things you want to tell us about? She's quiet. Uh, still she's, upset that she's not in the comic. Yeah, I know. She will probably be in the future. Well, we'll have to keep watching and see if we can see Lulu Bell in the future in one of the comics. This is Richie Rollins from Comic Spear and Sci-Fi. Thanks for watching. Hey, it's the Bradcast, and I am here with Kay Lynn Smith. Hi, Kay Lynn. Hi, I like that. Kay Lynn Smith. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm helping. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so you are an artist extraordinaire. I am. Uh, um, how long have you been doing this? So I found out I celebrated my 10-year anniversary in COVID time. So I've been at it for 12 years, going on 13. So I, I, like, the, I like the portraits. Thank you. Um, very um, 19th century. I really like the black and white. Thank you. Um, and, and putting animals in clothes. How did how did that come about? Well, I just thought they were really you know naked, so they needed something. No, so actually this is all uh, with my new series, The House of Lothar, and it's a rehabilitation center for cryptids. So you have the Jersey Devil, Mothman, Werewolf, Chupacabra, and Bigfoot. So they're all like these monsters cool. underneath one roof. Okay. And yeah, they're there for various reasons. Like Bigfoot has small feet, and so. <laughs> He needs, he needs help with that. So yeah, so that's my current series right now. Yeah. Okay, um, you have a lot of books. Are you uh, working on one specific or did one just come out? Yeah, so the current project is this guy. Okay. Uh, but the, uh, the first project, so my pride and joy is Plume. It's a Western with a magical element. Uh, the main character, she's on this hunt to get all these magical artifacts back that were stolen from her. And she's got a reluctant guardian angel along for the ride. So this guy is there to protect her through the way. So. Uh, so that was my first series. My uh, second series is the house, or I'm sorry, the uh, for goodness sake here, and it is a demon and a hippie, 
they team up to do a good deeds to break him of his demon curse. So very opposing personalities on a road trip together. And that one is done too. So the three volumes and then I've got the big mama jama, the collected version. And that one actually is my COVID project. You know, all doors were locked. You know, you're stuck inside. What else do you do? You just, you draw demons and hippies. That's what you do. So Or hippie demons. Hippie demons. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I see a little 3D statue guy. Um, you're going from 2D to 3D. No. So 3D is magic to me. I have no idea how to do 3D. So I commissioned an artist to do this for me. And then, it looks like the fellow yeah, right there. Yeah. Yep. It is. It's, a, it's my werewolf. Uh, so I, I gave the artist a turnaround of my character and then he nice. 3D modeled it and I got it printed off. And yeah. He comes with he comes with me to shows. So, are you thinking you might paint it? I. I mean, it's at this point it's a marble bust, which is very very elegant. Right. But just curious. Yeah, I mean, it's crossed my mind, but I don't know if I could do it justice, you know. But we'll see. We'll see. Jury's still out. So, if somebody doesn't come to the show, how would they get your stuff? So, KaylinSmith.net. You can find me all through there. All of my social medias and all that is through there, too. So, okay. yeah. So how do you like these shows, Kaylin Smith? I like these shows. I, so I'm from Michigan. So I feel like the Michigan shows, like I'm, you know, Huzzah! yeah, it's my backyard show. So, um, you know, having Grand Rapids show in Kalamazoo is a little weird. But, you know, to each his own. <laughs> but it is great. I'm having a good time. So, yeah, I enjoy the Michigan shows. So is that you? You know, it has a resemblance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is a flip. Yeah, yeah it is. I know. I really, like, people. Are, I always do it. I'm like, I, I can't do that side. Like, it's right. It's me either. It's, it's yeah. like an Elvis thing. You can only, yeah. I can only do yeah. one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really love your stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> this has been the Bradcast. We'll see you next time. This is Richie Rollins from Comic Experience Sci-Fi at the Grand Rapids Comic Con in Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> and I'm standing here with BB LK Cosplayer. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing terrific. And today you have this outfit. And why did you choose this one today? So I actually chose this one because I am three months pregnant right now. And I wanted to wear stuff that was going to be comfortable, a little bit looser. So I'm sticking to villains all weekend because they all mostly wear robes. Oh, what other villains are you doing this weekend? Uh, tomorrow I'm doing Hades from Hercules, and I did Raven, who, yes, is a good guy, but sometimes can be a bad guy from Teen Titans. And how long have you been cosplaying? I've been cosplaying since 2015. What do you enjoy most about it? Ooh, uh, I love meeting new people, but I also like being able to create anything with my hands. And how long did it take to do this costume? So this one, the dress is actually bought off Amazon. I have no shame in saying that. And everything else is made by me. What, what's the longest one it took you to make? <laughs> um, so this one behind me that I'm knocking over. Yeah. Okay. This one was about six, 700 hours. Wow, that's a long time. Yes. <laughs> is this like your full-time job? Yes. Oh, all right. And do you like coming to the comic cons? Oh, I love it. I love coming to cons. You meet so many new people, you know, you get to make some good memories, and it's it's just fun. And is there anywhere online that people can go and see your work? Of course. You guys can find me at BBLK Cosplay on all the socials. And do you have a favorite cosplay you like doing? I did Bulma from Dragon Ball Z not that long ago, and I did the whole thing cel-shaded, so it looked like the original manga, and it was it was beautiful. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. 
This is Richie Rollins from Comic Experience Sci-Fi. Keep on watching. Hey, it's the Bradcast, and I am at the Grand Rapids Comic Con temporarily in the Kalamazoo Expo Center, and I am here with event coordinator Rosie Bono. Rosie, how are you? Doing great. How are you? A little tongue-tied, but I'll be fine. I probably need some sustenance. This is an interesting venue. You have three large rooms and a bunch of doorways, and how do you keep track of all this? It's It's been difficult, but once you get used to it, it's okay. It's a lot of it's kind of shaped like a W, and if you think about it that way, it's it's kind of easier to maneuver. Now, do do the rooms or the legs of the W have code names that everybody who's in them knows? Yes, So, and they're not as fun as I would hope they would be. But currently, right now, we're in the North Hall across the way. The other way is the South Hall, and then right in the middle is the main Expo Hall. Okay. It's not as fun as I would want it to be, but... So now this is not your normal, um, your your normal uh, uh, stomping grounds. No. Uh, why are you here? So it is a simple uh, venue necessity out of venue necessity. Our we previously were held at Del the Deltaplex, which is in Grand Rapids. However, the Deltaplex sold. So uh, we, due to the time limit and restrictions, we had to find a different venue. We, this isn't far away, it fit our needs, and the staff has been good to work with, so it just, it was perfect at that point. Is it going to be a one-off? Currently, yes. Yep, we'll be back in Grand Rapids next April. Okay, and then you have a, a show in the fall? Yes, so this fall, November is our big show. This is the small show, quote-unquote. November is our big show, and... November, this November is special because it is our 10-year anniversary of running. So it's going to be an absolute blast. There's bigger guests than we've ever had, better booze. I mean, everything's going to be amazing. How do people find out about the November show? So after this event has concluded, this April event here, we will be switching over our website to feature information for the November show. Uh, website name doesn't change. It is grcomiccon.com. You can find us on the website there, or if you go on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, there's links there as well. And the social media is all GR Comic Con? Yep, GR Comic-Con or Grand Rapids Comic-Con. Okay, very good. So when you're not running a Comic-Con, what do you do for fun and profit, Rosie? I actually, so this is my full-time job, actually. Really? I uh, Yes, I work nice. year-round putting, helping the ownership put together the two events. I do have, like, well, I do event uh, consultation as well, personally, with... Uh, friends, family, and whoever needs it that finds me. And uh, I actually work uh, in retail, too. So so this is this is a huge undertaking. Um, how long have you been doing event planning at this scale? So at this scale, I've been, well, I've been with the Grand Rapids Comic Con since 2019, I believe, was when I started. But I've been in the events field for over 12 years now. Well... This is very well organized, um, and obviously everybody knows about it because the place is full, okay? And that's not the first F word I was thinking of, but <laughs> full. Yeah. Um, congratulations. It seems like it's a success. Do you have any idea how far and wide people have come? I know that we've had people travel in from as far as, like, 
We've had people fly in from Hawaii. Not this show, but in past shows, we've had people fly in from Hawaii, uh, Florida. We've had people drive from Kentucky, Chicago. I mean, all over the country because we bring in a unique set of guests a lot of times that you don't typically see at Comic-Cons. A lot of older vintage guests. I mean, we have this show in particular, we've thrown in three people from Japan who were pivotal to the anime and uh, kaiju worlds. And it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so people will travel for that. Well, you've done a fine job. I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, hopefully, I will see you in November at, uh, in Grand Rapids proper, and we can have another, uh, another chat, and you can give us an update about what's, what's going on and what's coming in the future. Of course. That sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Rosie. It's been a pleasure. This has been... The broadcast at the Grand Rapids Comic Con with Rosie Bono, event coordinator extraordinaire. That's it for this episode of the Comics Beer and Sci Fi Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.